Wake up, America. It's Morning Air with John Morales. Si, senor. Sarah Tafoya. This is my mom. Am I going to get paid for this? <laughs> and Glenn Leverins. This is Morning Air. That's how I know. <laughs> <laughs> On Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Si, senor. Wake up, America. It's Thursday, February 16th. Good morning and welcome Back to the final hour of Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn Leverance and producer Sarah Tafoya. Thank you so much for joining us uh, across America here on this Thursday morning on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. On Thursdays, we always remember the institution of the Holy Eucharist on Holy Thursday by our Lord Jesus Christ. During this year of Eucharistic revival, let's try to visit the Blessed Sacrament sometime today if you can, or make a visit sometime during the upcoming days during this week. Now, as you may know, Lent is right around the corner. We've been talking about it. Ash Wednesday is coming up next week on February 22nd. I want to remind you that you can elevate your Lent this year in just a couple of minutes each day with Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass. They are jam-packed with interesting facts and all kinds of teachings to help you learn more about the Mass and about your faith. See why these bite-sized videos had over one million views just last year alone. You can sign up for Father Rocky's Lenten Lessons on the Mass this morning at relevantradio.com Lent. Get ready to learn the Mass, live the Mass, and love the Mass more than ever before. And the good news is they're absolutely free. And that's relevantradio.com Lent. I want to bring in Glenn and Sarah once again. Uh, Glenn, what are a few of the big uh, stories making headlines here this hour on this Thursday morning? Railroads carry a lot of stuff across America through big and small towns alike. Anything from oil to toxic chemicals, derailments can mean big trouble for areas where that happens, including East Palestine, Ohio, right on the border with Pennsylvania. And this has been several days now since that train derailment releasing what appear to be some uh, noxious and dangerous chemicals into the environment. They're fish dead. They had a town hall last night in that area for folks to sound off on some of their concerns. All I know is I went to bed one day and woke up in the middle of a uh, toxic super site the next day. I have property that I own here and I have a well and I want to know what's going on with this. Is this seeping into our ground, into our water? Now that we're home, you don't know what to think. That thousand dollars are given out to everybody is oh. the inconvenience fee. That's insulting. Glenn, can you imagine what these people are going through? They don't know whether to drink the water, breathe the air. <laughs> they go outside and their eyes get itchy and their throat hurts and they're coughing. And uh, they have yet to hear uh, from the federal government or the railroad officially because neither one of them showed up at that town hall last night. Yeah, a meeting where people are concerned for their health and safety because of an environmental problem here. Uh, the officials from the railroad said they were concerned for their safety, uh, I guess, from the citizens. And so they didn't show up. Uh, meanwhile, the governor says, you know, drink bottled water. EPA folks say, oh, the water's okay. We tested it. But uh, when fish are dying in mass like that, you got to wonder just a little bit. So uh, prayers go out and hopefully some information can go out for the folks in that uh, part of the country. Yeah, better safe than sorry. Just grab that bottled water till you feel more comfortable, especially since, you know, flames and things are still kind of going on and it's not really settled what's happening. So still a lot up in the air, but I, I, I can't help but wonder the way this is being covered and everything. It just seems like uh, maybe Julia Roberts should dust off her Aaron Brockovich boots. You never know when there might be a, a sequel coming out, something very similar, because this is kind of a crazy scenario that's going on right there. 
Uh, you know what? Aaron Brockovich uh, was in the news a couple of days ago calling for uh, a better look into this situation. Uh, well, there you go. And, Julia Roberts, get yourself ready. <laughs> Sequel's coming. Very good. Wow. Yeah. Good. I mean, I, I saw I saw a, uh, a video of a, of a frog in the water. Obviously, he wasn't alive. And so there's a lot of, of, of animals uh, that have uh, perished uh, because of this uh, chemical derailment and, uh, and also uh, pets. It's a big concern for the pets. So uh, we got to keep all these folks in our prayers. Meanwhile, uh, there's some um, positive news uh, out of uh, the South Carolina House, uh, which has passed a a bill uh, banning abortion, affirming that life begins at conception. What do we know about this bill, Glenn? Well, it's uh, very good news there, uh, but it's not a done deal yet. The, the Senate has a slightly different bill that would ban abortion after about six weeks when a heartbeat is detected. And uh, it's been pretty tough for the two sides to, to reconcile right now. Um, and so, you know, the, the pro-life work continues on a state-by-state basis as uh, Roe v. Wade being overturned through things back to the state. So South Carolina working toward that. But uh, it's been a battle the last uh, couple months here between the, the uh both Republican-controlled House and Senate in South Carolina, but not enough votes yet to to make that bill uh, sail through. Meanwhile, um, we uh, understand that Nuggets are in the news this morning. What is going on with Nuggets? Well, you know, people might have wondered, and then even wondered and not cared what's in those uh, McNuggets. I'm a big fan myself as well. But uh, pretty soon, in Germany anyway, we'll have the new McPlant Nugget. Uh, The new plant-based nuggets will be available next week in Germany, along with the new McPlant cheeseburgers. Uh, McDonald's launched a deal with Beyond Meat to create the plant patties. They've been added to menus in the UK, Ireland, Austria, and the Netherlands so far. No word on if the McPlant products will make it to American McDonald's, but uh, ironically, this might give us a better idea what's actually in those little little tasty nuggets. Uh, I'm sure uh, there are folks out there uh, proclaiming, where's the beef? Yeah, well, with this Beyond Meat, it's all the rage and lots of different fast food restaurants are trying to pick up that mantle. You know, they're not making enough money on all of us. They got to reach the people that have decided we're boycotting you. And they're trying to reach them back in and get them back in with those uh, those deals and with the Beyond Meat in all sorts of ways. So it's really interesting. We'll see how this pans out in other countries and then what exactly what happens when it comes to America. Will the children and Americans across the country will they bite <laughs> yes will the children like it <laughs> with or without a uh, sauce now have you guys tried any of the beyond meat products i have had some you know what i think here's the trick is don't go into it feeling like it's going to taste like what you remember meat tasting like so it it doesn't taste bad but it doesn't taste like what they're proclaiming it there's no way to recreate meat except with meat so this is it's a nice <laughs> alternative but it's never going to duplicate uh, Glenn, with all due respect, I, I prefer the real deal. So we'll leave Amen it at that. that. Amen to that. All right. Thanks as always, uh, Sarah and Glenn. We begin every hour always in prayer, always giving thanks to our Lord for all the many blessings through the intercession of the Mother of God, our Blessed Mother Mary. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. 
Amen. Our Lady of Guadalupe, patroness of the Americas, patroness of the unborn and of relevant radio, pray for us. St. Joseph, patron of the Universal Church, pray for us. St. John Paul II, co-patron of relevant radio, pray for us. We always invoke the Holy Spirit every morning when we pray, come Holy Spirit, come. Jesus, I trust in you. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You can find us on Twitter and Facebook, at Morning Air Show. If you want to send us an email, uh, the direct address is morningair at relevantradio.com. And if you want to be part of the program this morning, 888-914-9149 is the number. Now, I want to talk about going on a pilgrimage. Uh, Have you ever thought of going on a pilgrimage? We did talk about World Youth Day uh, last hour, which is a pilgrimage. There's different benefits that a pilgrimage may offer to a pilgrim. Our next guest has gone twice just in the past year on a pilgrimage to the Holy Land. Uh, He's now back, and he's about to tell us uh, about his experience in the Holy Land. We're joined live this morning by His Excellency Bishop Donald Hying, the Bishop of the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin, uh, with much more on the spiritual nature of travel and uh, what a pilgrimage can offer a pilgrim. Uh, Bishop Dying, uh, Hying, I should say, is the fifth bishop of the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin. He's an auxiliary bishop um, of the—he uh, was the auxiliary bishop of the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, uh, Wisconsin, and before that, the bishop of the Diocese of Gary, Indiana. We'll get it straight here. Your Excellency, Bishop Hying, thank you so much uh, for joining us. It's always a joy and a blessing to be with you. Yeah, good morning, Jen. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, I just came back from Israel several weeks ago with uh, 116 pilgrims, and you know, they call the Holy Land the fifth gospel, and rightfully so, because when you go there, you realize that our faith in Christ is not just a myth or a beautiful idea, that it's based in historical events, that in this one person, Jesus, uh, the fullness of God dwelt, and that he lived in this world and in this place. So to go to all the sacred places just reminds us of the, the reality and the truth of our faith. How, uh, how special was uh, uh, this pilgrimage uh, to, to the Holy Land uh, with those uh, 116 pilgrims? Yeah, I've never gone with that many people before. I've done trips to Ireland with maybe 90, but uh, most of them had never been before, and a lot of them I knew very well. So that combination uh, made it beautiful for me just to watch just their hearts and their spirits really just expand as they encountered the Lord in all these beautiful places, you know, Bethlehem, Nazareth, Sea of Galilee, Jerusalem, Church of the Holy Sepulchre. So to see it through their eyes, you know, eyes of faith that are being expanded, what was just a beautiful thing for me. It's really life-changing. I think every Christian should go to the Holy Land at least once in their life. What uh, is your sense of, of what uh, these pilgrims uh, really got out of, of this pilgrimage? Did, 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 you, did you hear from them sharing how much it meant to them to, to step on, on holy ground and visit all these blessed sites where our Lord himself actually walked? I did. I did hear from them. It gives them a very profound experience of Christ. I mean, Christ and the Blessed Mother obviously— uh, abide in the mystery of the church, but in a very particular way, you know, certainly their 
their presence is in the Holy Land, you know, obviously Jesus in the sacraments, but just to go to the Sea of Galilee where 60% of the gospel took place and to realize that, you know, the Lord looked at these same hills. He was on this body of water, um, that all of this is real. It's not just an idea or a story from long ago, um, I think really moves the hearts of all those who go to Israel. Plus, and this was helpful for me the first time I went, you really get a clear sense of the geography of the Bible. I think until I went there, you know, a lot of these were names. I could look at a map. But once you've been there, you can visualize the, the spot. You can see how it all fits together. So there's a both a spiritual geography and a um, you know, biblical geography that, that converges when, when you go to the Holy Land. Your Excellency, um, what moved you uh, the most? Uh, you know, walking down the Via Dolorosa, or maybe uh, being uh, at at the site of uh, of the upper room uh, where the Last Supper um, uh, took place. Can you tell us some of some of those places that really moved you? Yeah, certainly the, the Church of the Holy Sepulchre is you know par excellence the the center of the world. You know, it's where Jesus died and rose from the dead, and it's almost beyond words to articulate what it means to pray at Golgotha, to to go into the tomb, uh, just to experience the power of the risen Lord. Um, for me, two places always stand out. One is Mount Tabor, you know, where the transfiguration took place. And you, you take a, a little minibus, you know, it's a pretty tall hill. I mean, I wouldn't say it's a mountain, but it's for Israel, it's it's high. And at the top is this beautiful church built, but it's the place where Jesus was transfigured. And I always feel just the, the power of the Lord, just the, the overwhelming experience that the apostles had when they saw the transfigured Lord. And the other place for me is Gethsemane. So there's still six olive trees at Gethsemane that are living and which were present at the time of Jesus passion and death. So that's how old olive trees grow to be, you know, 2,000 years old. It's amazing. But in the church, in front of the altar is the rock that tradition tells us Jesus threw himself down on when he handed his will over to the Father and fully accepted his passion and death. And there I always pray for the grace to completely hand my will over to the Father. And it's always a challenge, I think, because I'm willing to hand over 90% of my will, but you know, there's something human in us that wants to still retain some control, you know, just in case God's will is too hard or frightening. So to honestly say to the Lord at Gethsemane, you know, Lord, I completely hand myself over to you. I put myself completely in your hands. Um, there's a freedom in that trust, but also a surrender. So for me, Mount Tabor and Gethsemane are two um, very profound places. It, it's got to be hard to even put it into words, uh, uh, what that feeling is is got to be like uh, to be at Mount Tabor, to, to know that Peter, uh, James, and John uh, were there, you know, seeing our Lord transfigured. Uh, and, and just, you know, when you when you pray the rosary and you pray uh, the agony in the garden, it, it must really come alive. Yeah, we visited every mystery of the rosary with the exception of the coronation, you know, which obviously we can't. Of the side of heaven, but every other mystery we were there, so it does make the rosary um, more profoundly come alive in its vibrancy. 
For someone who's never been on a pilgrimage, can you talk about just uh, the benefits of going on a pilgrimage and how it's it really a, a way different than just going on vacation? You, you don't go to va- on vacation yeah. to the Holy Land. No, that's that's right. You know, and obviously there's other pilgrimages. You know, people walk the Camino in Spain. People go to Rome, you know, Fatima, Lourdes, Mexico City to see uh, the tomb of Our Lady of Guadalupe. So there's many holy sites throughout the world, and it's a truly a part of our Catholic tradition. But it goes way back, I mean, from the earliest centuries, Christians would make pilgrimage to the Holy Land and to venerate the sacred places of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection. And think to what that must have been like a thousand years ago. You know, you spent years of your life getting there. Many of those people never came back because they died of disease or shipwreck or, you know, attacks from robbers. So it was a momentous effort. You know, today we jump on a plane and we're there in, you know, 14 hours. So I ponder just the the tradition of pilgrimage in our faith, uh, the arduous of it in previous ages, but it's still life-changing. It, it expands us, I think, a couple things. It reminds us how expansive the church is, you know, that it's bigger than just my parish or my diocese or even the church here in the United States. So to experience the church on a universal level, you know, at pilgrimage sites, you'll encounter Catholics from all over the planet. But it also reminds us that the church is expansive through time as well. So it puts us in touch with, you know, the saints, with the, the living tradition of our Catholic faith, and ultimately, of course, and most profoundly in Israel, uh, with, with Jesus himself. And there's also indulgences to be gained by going on pilgrimage, but there's something human in us that wants to visit places that are connected to people that we, you know, honor or venerate. You know, so if you look at it in the in the secular world, people that go to Graceland because, you know, they're enamored of Elvis. Um, there's something about that sacramental principle where if we if we go to places, if we touch objects that are connected to um you know, people in our lives that we really love and venerate that, that makes a connection for us. So putting that on a supernatural level obviously takes it to uh, an infinitely more significant level of meaning, you know, that we can connect with Christ and the Blessed Mother in a profound way by going on pilgrimage. Well, Your Excellency uh, Bishop Hang, I have been to Rome seven times, been very blessed, uh, including my honeymoon, and most of the times uh, reporting for relevant radio on ad limina visits and then getting to ch- meet the two Holy Fathers, but I've never been to the Holy Land, and so that is definitely on my bucket list, and uh, I'm sure yeah. there's many, many others who only dream of going to the Holy Land like you've been able to do twice uh, in, uh, in the past year. Yeah, it's truly life-changing. It just renews your faith, and you can never listen to the gospel at Mass the same way or read the Bible in the same way. I think a lot of people in our group came home saying, you know, I'm really going to delve into the Bible. Um, you know, I, I want to read the Bible because this has awakened a thirst in me, you know, for Holy Scripture. So that's, that's a beautiful thing. Now, a while back, we talked about uh, the pilgrimage of, of El Camino, 
uh, to St. James in, in Spain where people walk, you know, 500 miles. And uh, that's just one of, of, of the pilgrimages that people can go on. But you don't have to go all the way to Europe. Right here uh, in good old Wisconsin, we have uh, the Walk to Mary in Champion, Wisconsin, coming up in May. I know something that's very dear to, to Father Rocky. This will be the, the 10th anniversary um, uh, Walk to Mary. So uh, I imagine uh, if, folks uh, from your uh, diocese, uh, there in Madison are going to be heading over uh, to uh, the uh, Shrine of Our Blessed Mother. There's always a faithful group that does that walk. And I would say Mary loves Wisconsin. We have the Guadalupe Shrine in La Crosse. We have Holy Hill near Milwaukee. And we have the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help in Green Bay. So we're in a, this remarkable Marian triangle here in Wisconsin. We're very blessed. It is, a, it is a beautiful thing. And uh, a final word of encouragement for somebody who may uh, be thinking in the back of my mind, oh, I would love to go on, on, a, on a pilgrimage, but I just haven't done it. Uh, maybe some words uh, to encourage the folks. Is the graces from it are beyond measure. Um, you're never going to be younger than you are today. Um, you know, it's, it's completely worth it because the spiritual fruit um, of the seeds planted in your heart and soul on a pilgrimage will remain with you for years to come. So it's, it's a, a great and good thing. It's like going on a retreat, only in living color in a wonderful place. Well, I really appreciate you being on with us this morning uh, to share uh, your experiences uh, in the Holy Land. Your Excellency, uh, Bishop Hine, can you give us your blessing? I mean, Almighty God, um, bless us, hold us close to the sacred heart of His Son, and as we stand on the brink of another Lent, lead our hearts to conversion, transformation, and ultimately salvation. And we ask this blessing, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Thanks so much, uh, Bishop Hying. Really appreciate it. Well, thanks, John. Blessings on the day. Thank you. Many blessings to you. Bishop Donald Hying, the Bishop of the Diocese of Madison, Wisconsin. We need to take a a short break when Morning Air continues. Our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, will be with us uh, to give us his take on a recent survey. Uh, In fact, it's a little bit alarming that it says that only 35% of U.S. Catholic parents highly value passing on the Catholic faith. So stay with us. We're going to talk all about it. There's much more to come here on this Thursday in the final half hour of Morning Air on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Bringing the light of Christ to start your day. This is Morning Air. And welcome back to Morning Air. I'm John Morales along with Glenn and Sarah. Thanks so much for joining us on this Thursday morning here on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Our power scripture from the Playbook of Life this morning is from Luke 148. Our Blessed Mother Mary says in the canticle of the Magnificat, For behold, henceforth all generations will call me blessed. In the great song of Mary, Our Lady proclaims the greatness of the Lord. She is full of grace. And that's why all generations call her blessed. That's why we as Catholics call Mary the Blessed Mother. Mary is the Mother of God, the Mother of our Savior, the Mother of the Second Person of the Holy Trinity, the Mother of the Word Incarnate, our Lord Jesus Christ, the same Virgin Mary who came to the Americas as Our Lady of Guadalupe. 
Never hesitate to go to Mary, our mother, who always leads us to Christ, her son. And we always pray with great confidence. That prayer that Drew prays every afternoon on the chaplet of divine mercy, Jesus, I trust in you. Number, if you want to be part of the conversation this morning, 888-914-9149. We're going to talk about something that uh, for me is a little concerning and uh, alarming, uh, to say the least. I want to tell you about a recent poll from a Pew Research Center that found that only about a third, uh, 35% of U.S. Catholic parents consider it extremely or very important to raise their children in their faith, that is, in the Catholic faith. The report uh, paints uh, quite a a bleak picture for the future of uh, Catholic mass attendance, uh, which has already uh, fallen significantly since the pandemic began. Joining us live uh, this morning is our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki, to uh, further give his uh, perspective on this alarming survey on Catholic parents passing on the faith. Father Kabicki is a Jesuit priest, a retreat director, spiritual director at the St. Francis de Sales Seminary in the Archdiocese of Milwaukee, a relevant radio contributor with his daily prayer reflections, as well as a longtime contributor to Morning Air. Good morning, Father Kabicki. Thanks so much for joining us. Great to be with you once again. Thank you, John. Good to be with you, too, and and to be talking about this very important subject about the the faith and the future of the faith in our country uh, and around the world. You know, it is alarming, as you said, that only about a third of Catholics who were surveyed here in the United States felt that it was very important or extremely important to pass the Catholic faith on to their children. And uh, unfortunately, you know, we see that in how many people now are asked, what is your religion? And in many cases, people who are baptized Catholic will check a box that says none, that they have no religion at this point. They don't practice any religion. And so it, it really is a challenge for us then to look at how can we change that dynamic? How can we change that statistic? And I think we're up against uh, a real um, let's say, um, a force that is working against us. That is certainly the devil. He wants to see uh, the Catholic religion uh, disappear. But also, I, I think he's using the forces of secularization in our country, where what has become more important on any given uh, weekend is to look on it as the weekend where people relax or take their children to Uh, games, soccer games, rather than to promote the uh, worship of God at church. And so, you know, those forces of secularization are are really at work in our world and have led many people to see other things on a weekend as more important than going to church. There is no question uh, what you're saying. In fact, uh, my goodness, uh, I don't even know where to begin because, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, on Sunday mornings, you know, you drive past uh, any given park in any community in America and you will see games going on, soccer games in the summer, baseball games. Uh, People clearly haven't gone to Mass when they're playing, you know, a game at 8 in the morning unless they went the night before. But uh, for for Mm -hmm. so many folks, it's just not a priority. They've been so uh, brave 
brainwashed by the secular culture, uh, and obviously it's being used as an instrument of the evil one, as as you described it. Uh, and uh, you know, and you were we're talking about you know thirty five percent in this country. That's not even counting, for example, Europe, where I'm sure the numbers are way even less than that. You know, where where cathedrals and churches in some places uh, become museums. Yes, you know the statistic for. Uh, mass attendance in a place like the Netherlands, it's down to 6% of, of, of Catholics on any given Sunday are at Mass, and it's 7% in France. And, and so, you know, it, it's really troubling that people don't uh, see the importance of religion, of practicing their faith. It's uh, interesting, you know, Pope Benedict predicted this, and Pope Francis has echoed it, that what we're encountering is an, a, a different kind of atheism. You know, atheism generally in the past was seen as, well, you know, I don't believe that there is a God. I can't reconcile a good and loving and infinite God with uh, suffering in the world or pain or uh, evil. Uh, how can God allow that? God must not exist. That's the way atheism was in the past. But now in the present, what Pope Benedict said is we are faced with a practical atheism, which he felt was even more dangerous than the atheism I just described. He said practical atheism is where people will say they believe in God, but that God doesn't matter. God plays no role in their lives um, so they, they believe in the existence of God, but they don't live as though God exists or that God matters in their lives. And I think that's another aspect to this statistic that, uh, that we're talking about. Well, Father Kabicki, um, I think uh, Pope Benedict, may he rest in peace, was truly uh, prophetic uh, with those words uh, about practical atheism. Uh, do you have any idea um, what are some of the factors uh, of why uh, some of these Catholic parents don't think it is a, a priority to pass well, on the I, faith? I think, yeah, I think part of it is what we've just described, that force of secularization where uh, people approach the weekend as a time to relax and to have no obligations uh, other than to recreate and and to sleep in, and so I think that 's one force, but I think another one that maybe is is more subtle but just as important is that there are a number of of adults who um, coming from a sense of enlightenment, they would say well i 'm an enlightened person, and i don 't want to force religion on my children, so when they are old enough to decide for themselves, then they can decide whether or not they want to go to church or whether or not they want to be Catholic. And, uh, you know, it, what's so, um, let's say, uh, goofy about that is that we force all kinds of things on our children. That's what good child rearing is all about. When it comes to good habits of health or hygiene or even good manners, we do teach our children. And so, you know, to take something that is as important as our ultimate salvation and our spiritual health and to say, well, I'm not going to force that on my children. I want them to grow up and to make their own decision is really misguided uh, because good habits, whether they're physical or spiritual, you know, begin in childhood. And the most important habits that we can pass on to our children are those that involve uh, their spiritual lives and the practice of our religion. Goofy, I think, is a good description there, Father Kabiki, because it just makes no sense. Can you imagine uh, a six-year-old uh, trying to decide for himself 
whether or not the, the Catholic faith is, is true or not, whether or not he should uh, follow uh, the Catholic teachings. I mean, it just makes no sense that's, uh, that a little one like that would be able to make, up, uh, make a decision for themselves. Right. But it's, it's part of this kind of uh, idea that we often have of, of freedom and privacy in the United States. Those have become kind of paramount values where, where people will say, um, I'm not going to, quote, indoctrinate my children. I, I want them to decide for themselves. And as a, again, it's, it's so misguided because we, we don't do that with regards to other things. And so when it comes to teaching, whether it's, you know, teaching history or teaching uh, math or reading, all of those things, we, we do work with our children to teach them good things. And uh, what could be greater than to teach them about the love of God that comes to us in Jesus Christ and how the church is there as the body of Christ to uh, guide us and to direct us, but also through the sacraments to give us grace and supernatural life right now. Well, if a, if a parent thinks to themselves, I don't want to indoctrinate uh, my, my children, I don't want to force religion on my children, uh, all they got to do is uh, look at how the culture is uh, indoctrinating our children. Yeah, just look at TikTok, look at Snapchat, uh, uh, you name it. Uh, they're getting indoctrinated day in and day out uh, with uh, this secular uh, philosophy. Well, that is so good, uh, such a good point, John, that you mentioned that, because, you know, those subtle forces of our culture and of secularization, the values that are being presented through social media and, and through media in general, you know, are teaching children certain things. And so, uh, especially in the light of that, we need to uh, uh, face that head on. Pope St. John Paul II, when we uh, began this new millennium, uh, said that if we do not go deeper in our faith and if we do not grow in our spiritual lives and our prayer lives, that it's not going to be a matter of being lukewarm Catholics or Christians, but he says we're going to be Christians at risk, at risk of losing our faith, of losing our way through life. So um, Pope St. John Paul thought we really need to go deeper. We need to develop our prayer lives. Our parishes need to be, as he put it, schools of prayer where we really uh, go deeper so that we have the resources necessary to face those uh, forces that are going to try to pull us away from God. Well, you talk about schools of prayer. <laughs> it, uh, it makes me think of, uh, of, uh, of Father Rocky uh, during the Family Rosary across America, reminding uh, countless families across our, our nation of the importance of uh, prayer. He has said it so many times, the more you pray, the better things go. If people only knew that truth, that the more you pray, the better things go, maybe they would be praying more uh, at home in, in that little domestic church. That's right, John. I, I, I think that's so, so true. And, and that's where, you know, things that we try to do on Relevant Radio and in our parishes, you know, it's, it's to help people grow in their prayer lives and, and to learn, you know, that, that prayer is a, a way that God wants to meet us, to give us the resources to face the challenges of life. Um, Father, can you uh, briefly chat a little bit about uh, the importance of a catechesis, a religious education, um, not just at the parish, but also at home to, to first pass on that faith so that uh, young children can encounter Jesus the Lord? Well, that's right. You know, in the church, 
has has said this in the in the last 20 30 years that the first teachers of children are not in school but in at home you know this is where kids begin to learn to read and this is where children really need to learn about the faith learn how to pray i know when i was growing up you know um we we didn't pray the rosary but i did learn that every morning i should kneel beside my bed and and, and pray for my parents and family and and every night a similar thing to to pray uh next to my bed and so you know those simple ways that um, habits are are created for children. It begins in the home where parents are the first teachers of the faith, and that's where I think adult education is so important. Adult formation, because many parents don't feel that they have the resources, the abilities to teach their children about the faith, and uh, that's where I think we see a growing movement in parishes and in our church that. Adults will learn more about the faith so that they can pass it on authentically and well to their children. Well, Father Kabicki, um, when I was a, a little kid in grammar school, uh, the Sisters of Christian Charity taught me about the morning offering. But it wasn't until I was an adult and I heard you talking about the, the morning offering here on Relevant Radio uh, back in the day that I really started to take it to heart and started really doing a morning offering every single morning and something that's part of my day from the moment I get up. Well, that's great, John. Hey, maybe our listeners could uh, tell us how they pass on the faith to their children. What are some suggestions they have for us? Or how did their parents or grandparents pass the faith on to them? Because I think, you know, one of the, the things we do here at Relevant Radio is to share the wealth of how God has helped us uh, in our lives. And in this important topic of passing the faith on to our children, you know, what suggestions do our listeners have for, uh, our, uh, for one another? Absolutely. Uh, great questions. So uh, if you want to uh, share the importance of passing on the faith to your children, uh, how you receive the faith, uh, and uh, what is perhaps an important thing that uh, you learned about our Catholic faith when you were growing up, we'd love to hear from you. We're taking your calls for Father James Kabicki, our spiritual director at 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. We're take a short time out as we continue our conversation with Father Kabicki. Stay with us. There is much more to come here on the other side. the light of Christ to start your day on Relevant Radio and the Relevant Radio app. Our number this morning, 888-914-9149, 888-914-9149. We're talking about a recent Pew Research survey that found that only 35% of U.S. Catholic parents highly value passing on the Catholic faith to their children as we uh, continue our conversation uh, with our spiritual director, Father James Kabicki. Uh, Father, uh, what about your own personal experience when you were growing up? Uh, how did your parents uh, pass on the faith to you? You know, it, it's, I, and when I think about that, I think it's, it's, it's very intangible because, um, well, it was tangible in this sense that 
we went to Mass as a family every Sunday. We would never think of missing Mass. There was no question about that. And once a month, my parents, we would we would go together to confession on a Saturday evening. Um, so that the sacraments, they were part of our, our daily life. I went to a Catholic grade school uh, where we learned about the faith in school. Um, but in my family, we did not have, uh, we did not pray the rosary each night or at all, at all, really. We did not have a picture of the Sacred Heart. And yet both of those have become very important to me, the rosary and the and devotion to the Sacred Heart. But we did have a crucifix, and it was one of those crucifixes that I'm sure many of our listeners also have or had. Uh, you could uh, take the, the it, it kind of the, the crucifix, the first part of it slid off. And in the back, there was a kit for uh, celebrating the last rites or the sacrament of the sick, so that if a priest came to the house, you were ready with uh, candles and uh, holy water and cotton, and you were ready for that uh, sacrament of the sick. So I like to say that, you know, I, I grew up in a, it, I would say it was very implicit. It was just part of the environment of my family uh, where the faith I, I got it more almost like osmosis rather than uh, um, strictly, uh, let's say, indoctrination. It was, a, it was just part of our life. Well, Father Kabiki, we have a few callers uh, that want to chime in and be part of our discussion. Chris is joining us this morning from uh, Sterling, New Jersey. Good morning, Chris. Uh, welcome. You're on with Father Kabiki. Good morning. Thank you for taking my call. I just a, a, a quick witness. Uh, Forty years ago, uh, I gave my life to the Lord and received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, an outpouring of the Holy Spirit. I said yes to the gifts I was given in baptism and confirmation. Came into a relationship with Jesus and in relationship with the Father, and my the scales fell from my eyes. Uh, I could understand the teachings of the Church. I embraced the teachings of the Church. Uh, my wife and I were married a number of years later. We were open to life. We had 10 children, two of whom were miscarriages. And, uh, and we were supported by a group of, uh, 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 a community of, of faithful who, who, uh, encourage us to walk with the Lord and to follow the teachings of the church. And, and, uh, uh, it's, it's, it's that relationship. And I know Father Simon talks about it, and Father, Father Rocky talks about it. It's the relationship is what we're talking about, relationship with the Lord Jesus. And the only way I can live out that relationship is through the power of the Holy Spirit, and I can't do it on my own. And um, right now, you know, most of our children right now are following the Lord. They're open to life. They're open to God's will. And, it, and it's because of the power of the Holy Spirit and that relationship with Jesus Christ and brings me into the relationship with the Father that I can live out as a Christian, as a Catholic husband and father, and now grandfather. So um, it, it's that relationship with Jesus that makes the difference. And wow. Chris, thank you for that witness. And, you know, the, the baptism of the Holy Spirit, part of uh, charismatic renewal uh, in the Catholic Church and uh, the Life in the Spirit seminar, there's so many resources, ways that the Church has for us to grow deeper in that relationship with Jesus. But as you say, it's through that power of the Holy Spirit, and uh, to be able to um, pass that on, that's a, a great way that you've been able to pass that on to, to your uh, family members as well. So um, thanks for that witness, Chris. 
Thank you so much, uh, Chris. A uh, powerful uh, testimony, uh, Father. Uh, Nareda is joining us from uh, Richardson, Texas. Uh, good morning. Uh, welcome to Morning Air. Good morning, John and Father Kovicki. Thank you so much. Yes, my way to pass uh, my faith to my daughter is remembering my grandma when I was growing up with her in Panama. We had to walk an hour each way to go to Mass every Sunday. And all of those little ones were an adventure because we had to stop half a way on the way back to the other grandma and have a meal and chill with everybody there. And beside that, my grandma always told us we have to respect the big God, no matter even though we don't have anything because we live in the simplicity. Mm-hmm. And I always tell a story to my daughter as a preschool teacher. That's my favorite thing to do. So I recommend every party tell the story of you when you were growing up to your child and keep your faith alive because it's so important back to our roots. Thank you. Oh, well, thank you, Bereda. That's um, like Chris, you know, it's a family affair, as you say, that uh, it's in the family that people uh, pass the faith on that learn about the faith and uh, storytelling is is so important because um, you know it it puts flesh I think on on our faith it's the way that uh, the gospels tell the story of Jesus and so for us to tell the story of how God was at work in our families and our lives how we uh, came to be stronger in our faith is is so important so thank you so much for your call. Thank you, uh, Nereda, for uh, sharing with us. Father Kabiki, can you talk about the importance of example from parents? I mean, you can't give what you don't have. If you yourself are not going to Mass and and practicing the faith, how in the world are the kids going to follow in your footsteps? Well, that's a good point, John. And, you know, it's it's what uh, Paul VI, St. Paul VI said in his encyclical or post uh, uh, synodal apostolic exhortation about evangelization. He said that, you know, the world tends not to listen to teachers, uh, but it listens to the witnesses, to example. And so he says, and if, if the world does listen to a teacher, it's because they see uh, the teacher living out what they're teaching. And so in our, our families, it's so important for parents and family members to be witnesses to teach not just by their words, but by their example. And so if, if parents don't consider Mass on Sunday to be important enough to uh, participate in every weekend, uh, children are going to learn it's not that important. And that's where, you know, we get this survey where 35% of Catholics don't think it's important very important or extremely important to pass the faith on. So uh, example is key. Father, less than a minute, uh, final thought, uh, final word of encouragement, uh, uh, pr- practical advice on how to pass on the faith to our children. Well, I think uh, Chris gave a, a great uh, uh, example to pray to the Holy Spirit, you know, that if each of us today, parents said, Holy Spirit, help me know how best to pass the faith on to my children and to make that a daily prayer. Um, I I think the Lord answers prayers like that very well. And so to make that a prayer, come Holy Spirit, help me know how to uh, help my children grow in the faith. Make that a a daily prayer. So let's pray a blessing for that. Uh, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time we've had together. And we ask you to bless us with the gift of the Holy Spirit to guide us so that we may be strong in our faith 
and that we may pass that faith on to future generations. And may the blessing of Almighty God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, descend upon all our listeners and their families. Amen. Amen. Father Kabicki, as always, thank you so much. It's been a blessing. You're welcome. Thank you, John. Goodbye. And now it's time for another episode of Glenn Story Corner. Our story today called Priceless Friendship from Sunny Skies. Imagine being a mother driven to pay people to be friends with your son. On February 2nd, St. Louis mom Donna Herter posted a heartbreaking message to Facebook requesting a young man to spend two hours twice a month with her son, Christian Bowers. She said that she'd pay the person $80 for the two hours. I'm looking for a young man between the ages of 20 and 28 who'd like to make some extra money, she wrote. Two days a month for two hours. I'll pay you to be my son's friend. All you have to do is sit with him and play video games in his room. Nothing else. He's 24 and has Down syndrome and doesn't have any friends his age. You'll not be alone with him. Myself or his grandpa will be home. Obviously, he won't know you're getting paid, but you're paid to make sure you show up for those two days. That post quickly went viral and has since garnered nearly 60,000 shares and more than 26,000 comments. Donna said the majority of the comments on the post were positive, filling up the calendar for the next several months with new friends from across St. Louis who expect nothing in return. She's even received offers from as far away as London and Australia. I still have people messaging. I'm adding more dates, and I just can't stop smiling. It's not even for me, it's for him, said Donna to KMOV. He's not been this happy in years. This is the happiest I've seen him in years. Last weekend, Bowers was treated to several new friends from the nonprofit STL Youth Sports Outreach. They brought Christian a new 65-inch flat-screen TV, a wireless soundbar, St. Louis Blues tickets, and plenty of snacks for late-night gaming sessions. Christian kept saying, OMG, I think that's how we all feel. I was not expecting any of this, said his mom. Proverbs 18.24 reminds us there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. And as always, thanks so much, Glenn. Really appreciate it. And that'll do it for this Thursday edition of Morning Air. For Glenn Leverance, producers Sarah Tafoya, Gabby Burke, our entire Morning Air team. I'm John Morales. Thanks so much for joining us. Let your light shine before all. God bless America. We'll see you Friday on the next edition of Morning Air.